Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Be against the rules, Austin. Should be against the rules. It's Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 975-1280 the zone. We're gonna talk to former jazz man Trevor Booker. Coming up here momentarily, Trevor announced his uh, retirement earlier this week, Gordo, and we thought it'd be fun to uh, in fact yesterday, we thought it'd be fun to hear from him and he was uh, in his two years stay with the jazz. He was very popular. Yeah, because he when he stepped on the court. He played with uh, Vim and Vigor, man. I, I remember remember times when it seemed like the Jazz were sagging a little bit, and he 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 brought fight to the to the to the contest, and I think fans are really like that. And and a lot of energy. I I've I've heard a lot of fans say that that might have been something missing from this year's version of the Utah Jazz. A little bit of that. In fact, I saw Trevor Booker's name brought up several times. But you know, every team needs needs that kind of energy, right? Yeah, I agree with that. And and there's got to be a guy on the floor who I, I know you have a problem with hockey and the fighting and all that, but you got to have somebody on the floor to protect the other players. Uh, and, and it's not like any of these guys are professional fighters or anything, but there there is a little bit of an intimidation factor at times. I th- I used to think about this when Ricky Rubio was getting thrown around on the court, and I'm saying someone's got to step in and protect this guy. Yeah, I didn't I, see that happen a whole lot. Did you? No, I. Right, I I agree with you. I I think Jay Crowder sometimes filled that role. I mean, you've just you you just. Have have to have somebody that says, you know what, I'm going to play my brains out, and we're not going to get pushed around out there, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And jazz fans in particular seem to respect that about certain players, the players that are going to play hard all the time and play really tough. And I think that's because John and Carl were tough. I think that's because uh, you know Jerry Sloan. That was the mentality he brought to the franchise, right? And uh, I think fans glom onto that, and thus I, I think players like Trevor Booker or like Damari Carroll was a role player who was really popular because he played really hard and played tough. And you don't even have to be a fighter, you know? You, like you were saying, you just got to, I don't know, bring a certain energy level that is productive to the team. And it doesn't even matter if you score 15 points or if you score six. You know, you, if you can bring that and it rubs off on your teammates, then, then uh, so much the better. Do you also agree that Trevor Booker had the greatest shot in the history of the NBA. Oh, the oh that, that thing falling away from the... <laughs> yeah, the, the little volleyball set bump over his head. That was pretty amazing. It was unbelievable. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Yeah. I saw a video yeah. of that the other day, and I was like, wow. Man, I, I haven't seen that in a long time. I'm going to have to look that up. That's like a horse shot, speaking of that uh, game that they played. or When did is the finals ass- for that? Tomorrow? Yeah. Yeah. Semi-final. Did he? Tomorrow, yeah. Did he? Yeah, but it's the final too. Oh, I, I think yeah. They, they. Yeah, they follow it up with the final right after. But it, was that like a volleyball bump? No, because he did it with uh, open hands, right? So mm, it would have been okay. a carry in volleyball. <laughs> I, I remember at the time he said he had he had done that shot t- hundreds of times in his driveway in the gym, just goofing around all the time, and never thought he'd use it in a game. Huh. There you go. What did what did uh, what did they say is the minimum amount of time on the clock you need to get off a shot? 
Isn't it like 0.2 seconds? Is that right? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's And that's what they there's say. the example right there. Point two. <laughs> okay. I don't think you can get a shot off any quicker than he did. No. Unless it's unless, unless it's it bounces tip, right? off your fingertip, yeah, yeah. At, the, at the rim. As far as like a shot shot, if that's what you can call it, I think that's about as fast as you can go. Yeah. I would agree. So we're efforting Trevor Booker, hoping uh, to talk to him coming up uh, momentarily. But who, 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 sorry, who, go ahead. Who, who on the Jazz do you think is the most likely to fill a role like that? You know what? You read my mind. I, I was just. Oh, were we to, asking the same yeah, question? I was just about <laughs> to ask you the same thing. Uh, right now, I think it's Royce O'Neal, but I would love for Tony Bradley to be that. But I don't know if that's in his DNA. Mm, haven't seen it so far. You know, your backup big, kind of like Trevor was, where you, you come in and, you know, you say Rudy might not be on the floor, but you're going to have a tough time getting through me too. Does he have the build for it? I don't know. He's he's put on a lot of good weight over the past couple of years, if that trend mm. continued. But he's he doesn't have that. I mean, I don't want to – I'm going to say he doesn't have that aggressive personality, and that sounds really mean. And actually, he can be really aggressive. But maybe maybe con- confrontational might be a better – Better word to use? I don't know if he has that. Okay, so search back through your memory banks and tell me who is the baddest hombre you ever saw playing an NBA game. Uh, let me think here. Baddest hombre ever. Anthony Mason was a pretty bad hombre. Hmm. Yeah, I guess. What do you mean you guess? Who, who, who's who's, who's the, the guy who played? Example? Who's the guy who played for the Lakers who used to be like a black belt oh, or something? Of course, you would pick a Laker. No, no, no! What, what a surprise! What, God, what's that guy's name? And he was really kind of a nice. He played. I think he played in Portland for a while, but he L A K E R S. He's one of those guys who was really a nice. A nice person, but then I particularly in the lake in the uh, playoffs, he used to uh, suddenly take on a whole new persona. <laughs> I think Carl sort of had the rep. Nobody really messed with Carl much, did they? Well, they saw the Isaiah Thomas footage and thought, <laughs> you know, maybe that's not the right idea. <laughs> I'll never forget that elbow to the coconut of David Robinson. That yeah, was, put him in the hospital. Yeah, yeah that was that was not. Antoine that Carr was, was a pretty happy moment. bad hombre back in his day. Oh, Big Antoine dog. Carr pretended to be. He really wasn't, was he? Now, fake tough guy. Now, there's a totally different conversation. <laughs> and in the NBA, does it really matter if you're a real tough guy or fake tough guy? Because it's well, not like it goes that far. Let me let me clarify. I'm not making fun of a big dog, but he was such a nice man that it was it was hard to picture him as really really being that. That nasty guy on the well, floor. Trevor Booker's a super nice man. Yeah, I, I suppose. Is Jay Crowder fake tough guy or tough guy? Well, I think you could make arguments on on either side. The ultimate fake tough guy we can all agree though is Kevin Garnett, right? Yes. Or I would say yeah. Carmelo Anthony because he ran away from that one fight, like punched and ran away. But nobody's confusing Carmelo Anthony for a tough guy, right? No, I don't think so. Mm-mm. How about uh, Stephen Adams? Now he's a tough guy. That that one that one video I don't know if you've seen it, Gordon, where Willie Cauley Stein 
goes to push Stephen Adams in a confrontational matter, and Stephen Adams doesn't budge a millimeter. I mean, Willie Colley-Stein's a big guy, right? And he goes to push him, and it's like, whoa, he didn't even move. I think Stephen Adams has a future after his NBA playing days in Hollywood. I could see that guy being in movies, couldn't you? Oh, yeah, well. Uh, who was the what? Uh, Boban was a, a villain in the one of those what what John mo- Wick the yeah. John Wick movies. Oh, was he? He looks like a super villain though. <laughs> I don't know. I could see Stephen Adams. I wouldn't want to run. Yeah, but running into Stephen Adams, I think, would feel like running into a brick wall. Do I you? Mean, oh yeah. Do you agree though? Do you think the Jazz need a little bit more of that? This yeah. This present version of the Utah Jazz need a little bit more of that edge, yes. tough guy kind of persona? I agree with that 100%. And not to the clownish uh, nth degree, but just in the effective, serious way. And that's why I asked the question. I'm sitting there thinking, okay, where where is he? I, I don't think it's... Could it be Rudy? Uh, or does it have gained, to be a role guy? If he gained guy? 50 pounds... Yeah, I, I do think Rudy needs to put on some weight. But but yeah. is this does it have to be like a role guy or can it be? I mean, you mentioned Carl, I suppose. No, it could be a it could be a star. Could does Donovan have it in him? Not big enough. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's Donovan's I don't know if that fits into Donovan's personality. I I think Donovan plays tough, but I don't know if he's that guy. Joe kind of acts like it sometimes, but he's got that comical feature to his personality as well. So it's it's kind of hard to take Joe seriously, even when he gets mad. Yeah, I don't know if Joe's that. I, not that, that Joe's backing down from anything. You usually see Joe right there in the mix of it, but I, I don't well, know. Well, yeah, if... but he's more as an instigator. He's the kind of guy that would pick a fight with someone and then sneak behind him and have somebody else push the guy over him as he's... Uh, you know, down on the ground. So he's did a that, cheap that shot artist? <laughs> that maybe didn't sound like the grandest compliment, did it? No, not really. No, not, not at all. <laughs> I can't think of anybody. This is sad. Think of somebody on the jazz who's a tough guy. I, they may need a little bit of that. That may be something that they look for. Um in the offseason. Maybe it's they'll get it from one of those go, uh, young guys like uh, Jarrell Brandley's pretty oh, yeah. pretty built, right? Yeah, maybe yeah. maybe they, they have somebody they're developing. But doesn't it have to be somebody who really does contribute on the floor? It that does. Makes it, that, that gives it credibility. You and know? it doesn't necessarily have to be a big guy either. Like Patrick Beverly brings that to the Clippers, right? Uh, that's a good point, actually. That's a good point. Who are other some t- other tough guards? Through the years. Hmm. Tough guards. Tough bulldog guards. Sidney Moncrief. And Chauncey oh. Billups was kind of that way, wasn't he? Uh, yeah. I never saw him that way. Who else, man? I think, I, well, Chauncey, I, maybe I just think because that Detroit Piston team was so tough. That was a tough team. Uh, it really wasn't that tough. What are you talking about? Are you just now disagreeing with me just out of sport? Well, it wasn't the bad boys. 
Ben Wallace was as tough, if not tougher, <laughs> than any of the bad boys. As tough as Bill Speaking Lazier. Of, there's my answer. <laughs> Bill or uh, Ben Wallace, there's my answer. The 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 scary the the bad ombre of all bad ombres in the NBA. <laughs> How about that? You know, somebody we're leaving out who would be greatly offended by the fact that we have is Ron Artest. I'm Ron Artest. See, you know what? He had a little crazy in there too, which is which made him unique. Yeah, and I, I I'm not trying to be flippant about that because I know he's had battle with uh, with with mental illness, and actually I think it's pretty cool that he's kind of turned into a, an advocate uh, in that realm. I think it's pretty awesome. But he he had that wild card factor where you just didn't know he what did. he was going to do. Indeed, and that's always adds a little bit of fear, like you were talking about. I interviewed him. When the Jazz were playing the the Lakers, uh, whenever that was, a number of years ago, and I I was amazed. I mean, I've I've probably interviewed uh, somewhere around ten thousand athletes in my day, and I I couldn't believe what he was saying to me. Yeah, I mean, it was just stream of consciousness. I mean, I, I thought, you know, this is this is borderline crazy, borderline brilliant. Uh, we have some suggestions coming in. And by the way, we haven't been able to get a hold of Trevor Booker, so we'll, we'll continue to try. Uh, our friend Wild Turkey Fart Blunt on Twitter says, Are we forgetting the one they call Blood Sport? James Johnson. Ooh. I wouldn't have thought of James Johnson. Good suggestion. Uh, and then we have Super tweet in, go back to back, saying, Vladi Divox for the fake tough guy and uh, John Starks for a tough guard. Yeah, John Starks, I'd say, would fall into this category. Yeah. I, yeah, I would agree with Anyone that. Anyone suggesting Zach Randolph yet as a tough guy? Ooh. I would, no one's picking a fight with Zebo, right? No. Except for maybe Ben Wallace, who would squash him like a bug. No, I don't know. I don't know about that. Zach, Zach Randolph comes from some tough stuff. I don't know about Ben's background, but... Uh, where is Zach Randolph from? I don't even know where he's from. Uh, I don't remember the city, and everybody I know he... He grew up fighting on the streets. So, tough guys. All right. And I do, I'm with you, Gordon, and as we kind of, you know, carve a jazz topic out of this situation, I do think the jazz are missing a little bit of that. They're, they've almost, you know, I wouldn't have called them a finesse team last year. I don't think you would have either. And they really have turned into a bit of a, def- of a, of a finesse team, and that might be an issue. They, they went too far that direction. Mm, yeah, I, I guess I I would agree with that. Because Derek they, Favors was tough, right? I mean, he was a pretty tough dude. Tougher than uh, Bogdanovich. Strong, strong, silent type. Oh, yeah. yeah. Favors was tough. Uh, they, they, I really believe this is something the Jazz need to add to the roster. But it can't be, it can't be a guy who's at the end of the bench. It's got to be somebody who actually plays a role. And and maybe maybe some ba- basketball experts would disagree with me on that, but I I think there's a real usefulness to having having a protector on the floor, uh, just just to remind his teammates, hey fellas, we ain't uh, we ain't messing around here, and that's what I thought Trevor Booker brought to the Jazz, to some degree. I mean, when think about when the Jazz when when Greg Ostertag got slapped by Shaq, was there anybody there to protect him? Well, I don't know. Was was Carl present? I, I don't think so. Maybe Carl would have just laughed, laughed because it was Oster tag. But if if I'm on a basketball team and I see one of my teammates get slapped, I want somebody to step up to that. 
and say, hey, you ain't doing that. Am I the only one that just wishes that there was some sort of footage of that? <laughs> of of Shaq well, slapping well, Ostertag? Yeah. Is there it, not? No, it happened at a so. practice. Oh. No, it, they, were, they were coming off the court. and The Lakers and were I, coming on, right? And the Jazz were that, coming off? And Ostertag had made some comments. And, and, and I think what happened was when, when Shaq slapped him, it knocked his contact out. <laughs> so he couldn't see. <laughs> so he's like down on all fours looking for his contact. <sighs> and why an open hand slap, really? Well, because a punch would probably be more expensive. And is a slap more humiliating, though? <laughs> if it knocks you to your if feet, somebody to your knees. just slaps you like Zsa Zsa Gabor. <laughs> Isn't she? She was the wait, one wait, who slapped did, everybody, did, wasn't she? Did Zsa Zsa Gabor slap people? Or was that somebody else? It's a, there's know. a joke about it. The Naked Gun, right? Uh, I can't remember that one. I'm pretty sure it was. I thought it was, I thought it was Beverly Hills Cop, where they talk about that. But anyway, I don't know. Uh, but anyway, that that's more humiliating than the punch, right? Doesn't that show more lack of respect? Especially if they take a glove off and just poosh, <laughs> like in the like in the old times. <laughs> that's like the ultimate. Oh man, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to find the guy who I was talking about, who is a Laker, and I. Has anybody come up with any ideas in that regard? I can't believe I'm forgetting this. Uh, we're just told uh, that we're going to have to uh, reschedule with Trevor Booker due to some unforeseen circumstances. So we'll make sure and get rescheduled with him. But uh, those of you tuning in expecting to hear Trevor, we apologize, but uh, we'll have to reschedule with him. Jimmy suggests, says Raja Bell was a tough guard. He was tough. Well, I suppose so. What do you mean? I you never suppose really, so. Those those I, playoff matchups where he and Kobe going back and forth when he was with the Suns, he was tough his first go around with the Jazz too. Jerry loved him. Yeah, I I, I wasn't completely convinced. Not completely convinced. Just like I'm not completely convinced the Beatles were any good. <laughs> you're you're not going to give us any reason. You're just going to say meh. Well, I mean, he was. I don't know. I, he was, uh, I guess he was too articulate. <laughs> what? <laughs> uh, you can't be a tough stu- guy if you're well-read. If huh? you're articulate. We, well, we, we had him in studio one time. We were talking to him, and he was he was being all eloquent and whatnot. And his wife was a school teacher, if I remember correctly, wasn't she? I don't know. He just seemed too much, I, I don't know, he seemed too much of a gentleman. Hmm. It's he, not who I was. It's not who I was thinking of. But uh, Michael Cooper was a pretty tough guard. Yeah. Another Laker, <laughs> the guy that played the dad on uh, October Sky. That Michael Cooper. Or? Oh man, Gordon's just bad. biting his tongue. He's like Byron Scott was a tough guy. James Worthy. Uh, I, I I can't I can't find the guy. It's going to drive me crazy now. Kurt Rambis. <laughs> Kurt. <laughs> no. How many no. more '80s Lakers can we get to? <laughs> I'm looking. I'm looking. Hmm. Uh, was it Maurice Lucas? Who? What? No, I don't think it was him. 
Um, who played basketball? Um, what are you? What are you looking for? I'm looking for the guy, who, the tough guy. I was telling you about. Hmm. I think it might have been Maurice Lucas. Was it Maurice Lucas? Was he the one who was a, who was like a uh, a, a martial artist? Hmm. I'll figure it out. <laughs> You keep asking us like we wouldn't know. Hey, Is Google. it Maurice Lucas I'm thinking about? How would we know? Hey, go, hey, Google, who's the former Laker that was a martial artist? No, here, here. this is what I'm going to do. Hey, Google, what is Gordon thinking right <laughs> yeah, now? It was, Mar- it was Maurice Lucas. That's who it was. Uh, he was an enforcer. Yep. Hmm. You know, the second, uh, after I Googled what is Gordon thinking right now, the second thing that came up was Gordon Hayward hasn't pondered his contract decision. Hmm. Yeah, know, he hasn't wh- pondered it because he's picking it up. Let me let, <laughs> let me break that news for you. Why hasn't Gordon Hayward thought about uh, his contract status? Um, Speaking of tough guys, huh? Because it's been decided. He's, he's picking up that option. Unless he's in a, a crazy person. But he's a good example of a guy who, remember when he first came to the Jazz, he, he was, we were talking about leadership and, and being a tough guy. And, and, and when he first got to the Jazz, remember when Darren Williams threw the ball at him? He, he was taking a back seat. Even though Jerry liked him and wanted to use him in certain ways, uh, it, it seems like he, he, he was acquiescing to the veterans. And when you're... When you are a tough guy, you can't acquiesce to anyone. I mean, you got to be. I don't care how good they are. You got to stand up to them. Oh and come that, on, he's a rookie. What's he supposed to do? Fight the all-star to guy on the team, <laughs> the franchise player? <laughs> Just go yeah, ask. But, you go ask Nikola Mirotic how that goes. You get traded. <laughs> you that's can't. One thing. And a broken you know, face. What do, you, what do you want Gordon Hayward to do? He's well, some rookie. Some. Pencil thin little kid looking rookie who gets the ball thrown at him by a veteran during a game. What's he supposed to do? That's it. I'm put him up. I'm fist biting the franchise player. I'm telling you right now, Jerry Sloan. If Gordon Hayward had punched Darren Williams in the ear, Jerry Sloan would have thought, okay, this kid's got something. What would have happened if Stephen Howard had beat up John Stockton his rookie year? What do you think the outcome of that that conflict would have been there, Gordo? That was different. Jerry would have looked at Stephen and said, I don't care what he did. You've just been cut. Congratulations. That's why Sasha Pavlovich was made available in the franchise draft, you know. Because he punched someone as a rookie. He fist fought John Stockton? (laughs) No, he didn't. No, we see, you can get away with it if you show great promise. Oh, can you? Can you now? (laughs) Well, maybe. John Stockton, you picked out St. John. Darren was the John Stockton of the team at the time. (laughs) Oh, not really. He was the franchise player. What do you mean, not really? I think Gordon Hayward should have picked the damn ball up and thrown it right back at Darren Williams' head. I think you're overlooking Josh Howard, Jake, as the franchise player. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that would have made an impression that would have been indelible. Yeah, yeah. That's always a good idea. You, you, know, think, what, Gordon, what would you, you think? think if Gordon Hayward had picked up the ball and chucked it back at Darren Williams or gone over and, and given him a knuckle sandwich, he would have been cut? Okay, let's... <laughs> 
are you a seventies bad movie bad guy now? What a do you knuckle think? sandwich. Okay, let's let's say let's pick a, a young writer who wrote at the trip at some point. Let, let's say let's say Chris Camerani just got a job covering sports at the trip and his his you know fourth fifth day on the job he comes to a staff meeting and uh decides to fist fight gordon monson how do you think how do you think that would have gone for him well think about this basketball is a sport it's different it's more combative it's it's more acceptable to be physical okay all right mm-hmm. all right let's it's get not, i'm telling you it would work especially if you were in the right to begin with Gordon Hayward should have walked over and and pushed Darren Williams into the front row, yeah, past sure, the front row. Sure, he should have. And and I like Darren Williams. I mean, it's not like uh, I'm I'm trying to rip him in any way, but you got to stand up to a bully. Haven't you ever heard that, Jake? You know how you succeed on an NBA roster? You fight the <laughs> franchise player. It shows real moxie. <laughs> Uh, you know what? You know what? The, the, whoever the Jazz draft in the first round this year, Gordon, when he, we inevitably have him on right after he's drafted. I want you to give him the advice. <laughs> Say, you know what you need to do? The first thing you need to do, you need to fight Donovan Mitchell. That's really going to show, that's going to really show Quinn Snyder that you've got moxie. You've got the toughness to be on this roster. Now get out there and do it. <laughs> oh, brother. Did you guys see that Shaq? Uh, offered J.R. Ryder, I think it was like ten thousand dollars to fight Kobe. No, in practice, when he first showed up. But I, you know what? He would have done it. If anybody would have <laughs> done it, it would have probably been him. Ten thousand dollars, Austin. If I offered you ten thousand dollars, would you punch Jake? Yeah. <laughs> well, I you didn't say where and or how hard. It. <laughs> oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. All right, let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now, our good friend Andrew Reinhardt from Wasatch Medical Clinic. And even during these trying times, Andrew, you guys are still there to help folks with their relationships. Yes, we are. And uh, problems in the bedroom are kind of magnified uh, during a, a time like this, unfortunately. But um, we have an advanced form of acoustic wave therapy. Guys have heard us talk about this, but other than that, haven't heard much about it. When it comes to erectile dysfunction, guys turn to the pills. That's probably the first thing. Sometimes they think their testosterone is low. Um, Some guys go to the injections. That's a more extreme solution and comes with a lot of side effects and downsides. Our treatment is the only thing, as far as I know, that treats the root cause problem of ED. That's lack of blood flow. It's the only thing that will get the spontaneity back into the bedroom so it's a natural fix. Um, if you're out there listening and if you, you've experienced some failure in the bedroom, it's maybe not going quite as good as you want it to. Generally, that's the beginning stages of ED, and it's a great time to get it fixed. And you've mentioned this before. You see guys of all ages, from 20s on up, uh, people dealing with partial function to no function at all. We do. Yeah, guys in their 20s and 30s um, every day. We have guys in their 80s and 90s every day. Uh, I will say that if you are not 100% gone, if you still have something left, that's the easiest to fix. Um, Sometimes a guy doesn't want to come in and get the problem taken care of at that stage. So that's the catch-22 to it. But if you're willing, if you'll come into the clinic, see what this is about, it is so easy to fix that type of situation and get it back to 100%. 801-901-8000 is the number to call. 801-901-8000. And you get in and uh, see a doctor, of course, and a little something extra, right? 
Yes, free assessment with the doctor. Uh, call us now. We'll set that up for you. We'll do the blood flow ultrasound while you're there. It's basically an analysis of your medical history, why you have ED. Uh, there may be a solution other than the treatments, by the way, for the problem. Um, we'll also give you a free gift that produces instant results in the bedroom, and that's all free uh, just for coming in. 801-901-8000. 801-901-8000. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you. We'll have more Big Show coming up straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 of the zone. Hey, Jude, don't make it bad. Take a sad song and make it better. Remember. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I want to remind you to call action for your plumbing, heating, and air and electrical needs. Call 801-833-3333 or go to actionplumbing.net. I've never heard Wilson Pickett's version of, hey, Jude, this is really good. You uh, I can't complain. I like the song and I like the artist, so it's just not quite up to the original. Oh, then uh, Paul McCartney screeching? This is way better. It, it wasn't. It wasn't Paul McCartney. It was John Lennon, right? The screamer. I think that was McCartney, wasn't it? The one who screamed during the thing, wasn't it McCartney? I don't know. You would know better it's than me. me. Yeah. You're the. You're the. I don't know who the screamer was. You're the the fan, so I I defer to you on on these sorts of things. You want me to Google that too? Yeah, I'm not sure to tell you the truth, but anyway. Who screamed on Hey Jude? Answer, Paul McCartney. <laughs> okay, good. I'm glad you clarified that. Me too. I feel better, don't you? Hmm. Uh, Unky Ben, by the way, uh, reacting to our segment, uh, our last segment says, NBA locker rooms are run like prisons. You have to walk in and punch the alpha dog in the face or be a beta forever. That's <laughs> what I learned from Fox primetime television. <laughs> Is that the thing? If you're a rookie, just just punch the franchise guy right in the face. First day at any job, I thought that's how you're supposed to do it. Just go in and and do that, and everything's going to be fine. This is Tom, your project manager. Oh, bam! Who's the alpha in this group, Tom? You manage that project, Tom. I think I think there might be a flaw to your plan, Gordon. I, I you know I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves here, but I, I don't know if that's the best idea. Tom, with your stupid soccer scarf hanging Show off your you, cubicle, Tom. Bam. <laughs> and by the way, how are you supposed to do that in today's day and age where we're all social distancing? How are you supposed to punch the alpha when we're all staying six feet at least away from one another? Well, you're not going to. Do you hit him no... with some sort of, like, pole? <laughs> you, you hack into his Zoom background and just troll him. And with, just with let him have it. My Little Pony backgrounds or something. <laughs> no, there's no games going on right now, so you don't punch anybody, metaphorically speaking. Well, we're, we were, I thought we were applying your logic, really, to everyday life. <laughs> well, right now is a weird time. Oh. You know, it's a little different. I see. Okay. Well, next time we have a young up-and-coming trib writer on the air, I'm going to talk to him about punching the alpha down there. Something tells me you were the guy that acquiesced to the bully every time. Uh, I don't know. I didn't. Jake was a bully at home. Oh, yeah, with my little brother. Oh, yeah, for sure. 
I didn't. I didn't. I don't think I got bullied a whole lot in school. Great. Uh, thankfully, I'm knocking on wood. Maybe I did, and I'm just remembering things uh, rosier. But I didn't get bullied that much at school. I remember in seventh grade, this bully. He wanted to pick a fight with me, and he saw me in the hallway, and he took a swing at me, and I just kind of ducked my head, and his hand hit my head, and it broke his hand. I, I want to know what's the what's the moral of the story here. It sounds the like you just story, got lucky. Yeah, I know. Well, maybe I did, but uh, he didn't mess with me anymore after that. I always knew you were thick-headed. Nope. <laughs> 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 yeah. Mm. Well, it worked. You didn't get bullied anymore after that? Not, not by him. Oh, okay. What, were you just fighting everybody fact, that, began, that looked think, at you cross? Were you no. wearing the safety patrol sash at the time? I didn't know Gordon had this violent side to him. I really didn't. I, I didn't do anything. It was self-defense. Hmm. Are you, are, 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 broke, you, broke his knuckles. Uh, his, uh, his major knuckle there, the big knuckle, and the one next to it. Yeah. And uh, Who yeah. on staff do you think most likely was a bully in their youth? Hands. Oh, yeah. Hands. Oh, but he also yeah. was bullied. Well, well, I know that. I've heard he, those stories, too, yeah. When he was really little, young, I mean. Uh, uh, I He was bullied by some older high school teammates, I believe. Oh, was he? Okay. Uh, who Lloyd? Else? <laughs> you think Lloyd <laughs> no, was a bully? See, I think Lloyd was probably a sweetie at school. No, Lloyd, Lloyd was the guy that probably would sneak up behind you. And uh, and 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 punch you in another region Jeez. when you weren't looking. Just... <laughs> wow! What? I mean, uh, who does that? Did a lot of people in your school will punch another person in the groin. Did you go to the high school with the Three Stooges? <laughs> Yo, you watch out for Bobby. He'll sneak up on you and bam, right in the groin. It's a tick he has. He's just, just a jerk like it. that. Come on, Lloyd's got that sneaky component to him. You don't think? He would short sheet his grandma. I'll tell you something. I uh, My daughter dropped me the other day. I was just holding her like I always do, and now she's big enough where her legs dangle just far enough to be right there. And she was kicking <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> I went right down. She Ronaldinho'd you, huh? Oh, right down. Would you consider that situational punning? Did you just make an Ajay joke? All we saw was the girl swinging her leg. What goes into it, Jake? (laughs) Oh, it was it was rough. I've got to I've got to be honest. It uh, it was rough. I don't know how we got here, Gordon. Gotcha. But oh, Lloyd is punching people in the groin for some reason. Okay. Well, if I were Gordon Hayward to bring this back full circle, I, I don't know if I would have would have punched Darren Williams after that. <laughs> you got to stand up to him because Dar- Darren was in the wrong. Right? I don't know. He it poly- sounds like poly- Gordon Hayward was in the wrong place. Isn't that why he got the ball thrown at him? <laughs> yeah, probably so. But so that was an honest mistake. Uh, well, I, 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 probably not one he made again. <laughs> 
All right. Was that on the air? We've got a partner profile (laughs) coming up right around the corner, so stay tuned for that. We're going to talk to our friend Joe from Homie. Uh, But right now, let's get out to the zone phone. Of course, he's from Wasatch Medical Clinic. He is Andrew Reinhardt. And, Andrew, you guys have adjusted. You're still safely helping patients with their ED. I think it's great. Yeah, we are. I think we've taken every precaution that is possible. Um, You know, a typical medical clinic has a waiting room. We've kind of eliminated that. We now take your temperature in the hallway before you come in, make sure, you know, nobody's high. Uh, We're wearing masks and gloves, of course. We're cleaning with hospital-grade sanitizer throughout the day. And you basically are put into a room and you meet with the doctor, you know, pretty quickly. So um, it's it's a safe environment. Guys still have erectile dysfunction. Maybe they especially have erectile dysfunction during a time like this. And the problem can be magnified. We are seeing so many guys come in, get the problem taken care of very quickly, by the way, with our technology. Um, 70, 80, and 90-year-old guys um, every day that are that have extreme ED that are seeing solutions. And then guys in their 20s and 30s that maybe have more of a mild case. I get, I get particularly excited about guys under maybe 50 because the results come on so quickly, um, rapidly, and, and typically one or two treatments and guys are feeling it. How many guys come into the clinic, Andrew, that are kind of st- – embarrassed about the whole thing and then walk out of the clinic going, man, being embarrassed was dumb. I'm glad I got that taken care of. Yeah. (laughs) I think all guys are embarrassed to come in. Um, And that prevents a lot of guys from dialing the phone number in the first place. They don't ever take care of it. They would prefer to, you know, not have anybody know. And the problem gets worse. That's the scary part with this is if I worked at the urgent care, guys would come in with the flu and they would heal and they'd get better. With ED, it typically does not get better. So doing nothing leads to worse problems. And then, you know, think about two to three weeks. If it is embarrassing to come into the clinic, I do understand that. But two to three weeks, you're done. You don't have to worry about the pills anymore, um, and the problem is solved. 801-901-8000 is the number to call. 801-901-8000. You get scheduled to see a doctor and uh, get a little something extra, right? Yes, assessment for free. Consultation is free. We're doing a lot for free during this time. We're going to do a blood flow ultrasound. It's a really cool way to see how good your blood flow is. Uh, We're going to give you a special gift that produces instant results in the bedroom as well. All of that is free to those that call us. 801-901-8000, 801-901-8000. Thanks, Andrew. Thank you. All right. We'll have a partner profile coming up right around the corner. Stay tuned, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to showcase those that are helping all of us through these difficult times. This is a partner profile on the Zone Sports Network. All right, it is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thanks for making us part of your day. It's time for a partner profile. Let's get out to the Zone phone. He is the chief marketing officer of Homie. But, of course, you've heard him on the big show many, many times. He's our friend Joe Grover with us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. First and foremost, Joe, how are you? How's your family? Everybody doing all right? Hey, we're pretty good. We're staying We're staying healthy over here. You know, my my house is uh, an office and an elementary and middle school and high school now. So, <laughs> uh, but, but everyone's healthy over here. Joe, you are one of the more social people I've ever met. This has got to be uh, driving you crazy on a certain level. 
You know, I, you know, it's just like death by Zoom calls. I, I'm working <laughs> as long as much as I ever have. It's just in the corner of my house um, on a, and Google Hangouts and Zoom calls all day long. Joe, even uh, through these uh, unusual times, people are still selling and buying homes, aren't they? They are. You know, it's um, it's interesting. It's changed the way people are thinking about um, buying a home, but there are still people that are that, that are active, right? Um, we we actually are pretty well positioned to help people um, buy homes. We've been investing in technology for years. It's one of kind of our mission is to save people money, and one of the ways we do that is a lot of the the process can be virtual, and so. You can actually see a house now without even leaving your couch. Um, we, we're sending our buyer agents actually into homes with gloves and masks on behalf of our buyers, and they're doing live video tours of homes. We have 3D tours now that we're, we're um, shooting for all of um, homey listed homes, and so buyers can actually hop, hop on and tour those homes in the safety of and the comfort of their homes. You know, we we talk uh, when we talk to you, Joe, we talk a lot about saving money and it's a big deal all the time. But, you know, in in today, you know, with economic times being what they are, I mean, those savings can mean a lot to a lot of people. Yeah, it's I mean, it's so true, Jake. I mean, one of the things, you know, we were built to save people money and and right now every dollar counts as you know, some people are out of work and some people are being furloughed and some people um, they're just business is not flowing as usual. And so, you know, we're hearing that a lot that, you know, people in some cases are selling their home because they're just the, the future is uncertain. In some cases, they're selling their home um, because of life, life changes. And um, we want people to keep more of that equity. Joe, let's talk a little bit about Homie Helps, because, of course, you guys like to say Homie's got your back. Let's talk a little bit about that. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, we have been so inspired, um, as you um, have been highlighting partners on your show, and as we've been reading in the news of all the amazing work that companies are doing and individuals are doing to help those that are most impacted by this just this crazy, unprecedented crisis. And so as we got together as a team, we realized that homes really are becoming um, more, more important than ever. And, and so we wanted to keep people in their homes, especially those that um, are having a hard time making ends meet. And so as we talked to the United Way, we asked, like, what are the biggest needs in our community? And there's actually a 211 phone number people can call when they have a need or need assistance. And then the, the local United Way puts them in contact with local nonprofits to help out. And the number one uh, need right now, based on all of these calls from individuals that are impacted by COVID-19, is for housing. People are worried about paying their rent, paying their mortgage. So we decided to establish a, a homey fund in partnership with the United Way here locally. And for every house, every buyer that buys a home with homey over the next 90 days, we're going to donate another $500 to this homey fund. And that number goes, that, that, that money goes directly to those people to keep them safe, to keep them in their homes um, until people can get kind of back on their feet. You know, Joe, I, I think this is so cool what you guys are doing, uh, helping folks. And I, I just want to congratulate not only Homie, but really the, our, our tech industry here in Utah has been uh, real leaders during these times. And, and Homie is, is right there with everybody. But it, it, it does. It's got to make you proud of your tech community, not just the company you work for. 
Absolutely. So Silicon Slopes is the local organization that we all belong to, and they ha- they've set up a response fund that we're supporting as well. And they have a call uh, multiple times a week, um, and they really mobilize the tech community to use our services, you know, to use our talent, to use our resources where possible, to, to really strengthen and, and help those that are really hurting right now. Because like there was a, there's a health crisis that created the financial challenges that that we're facing, and and so I honestly we've been so inspired um, as we've seen the response, and so our commitment of a hundred thousand dollars to the local United Way is is just a starting point for us, and we hope that we can save people money when they're selling homes, keep people safe when they're buying homes, and save them money, and now we can you know give a little bit back for every you know, for every time someone buys a home we can also, also keep someone in there in their house that's struggling you know i just have to ask about our guy johnny because you know <laughs> we, we joke about people being at home you know kids uh, school canceled but but how many kids is johnny up to now i mean that is a that is a full house <laughs> so, so i have six kids and johnny i it, he's at I've been working on eight, I think. He's, he's probably listening and thinking, Joe, you should, you should know the answer to this question. But yeah, Johnny has, he definitely has a full house. And it's been, you know what's really amazing, though, is as we're on these calls together um, and with vendors and with customers and with, with our employees, you know, we have kids popping in sometimes, or dogs and cats jumping up on the desk. And so it's been a really humanizing experience. And it's reminded all of us, right, that you know, work is important and providing quality services and products is important. And, you know, there's so much more in life outside of work, too. And, uh, you know, I'm bringing people into, you know, into my, my home every single day on every call. Six kids. What's, uh, Joe, when your kids need help with, you know, teaching at home, what's your go-to subject? What do they come to you for? <laughs> so, that's, so I have a high schooler. My oldest is 16. I have twins that are that are six years old. So I have elementary school, middle school, and high school. Um, usually math is um, when I, I get pulled in on math because I think that's the more challenging uh, the more challenging topic for their full-time teacher, who is my wonderful wife. Um, so I get pulled in math a lot, and I'll be honest, like there's a lot of Google searching and a lot of reading textbooks, refreshing um, you know, the, the theoretical side of algebra. It's not something that I use day-to-day in marketing. So I've kind of relearned my, uh, my freshman math course. You know you're in trouble when your kids are smarter than you, right, Joe? Yeah, and when my owner can beat me uh, in basketball one-on-one, which only has happened twice, but has happened. So he'll he's probably listening, and he'll remind me of that. Well, Joe, hey, we are so proud of our partnership with you and, and your whole crew over there at Homie, and we're so proud of what you guys continue to do. Thank you so much for jumping on with us and keeping us filled in. And keep your phone on because we'll check in with you again. Yeah, we love your show. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Joe. We appreciate you. You know, I'll tell you this much, uh, Jake, in, in the people we've met who are involved in, with Homie, uh, I, I mean, if those folks, it's a reflection of the way they, they treat their their customers, their clients. Uh, it, it just kind of, it is, it fits. It's a Homie, Homie style kind of feel to the whole thing. Yep. Yep, great people, um, and uh, what they're doing with Homie Helps is is really really great. Uh, help out the United Way, and, and not a surprise that they're going to an extra effort to to help the folks most in need because it's just it's the vibe around uh, that company, Gordon. And we've got yeah. to know them quite well over the past mm-hmm. several years, and it, it's great. And it's it's fun to have Joe on, and glad they're doing what they're doing. Yeah, no doubt about that. A whole hour of David Locke is coming up next, Gordon. Brace yourself. We're getting geeky with Locke for a whole hour.
Uh, I'm going to try and keep it non-geeky for at least part of the time. But that's Locke's charm. The geekiness is is his charm, Gordon. Okay, well, Jake will be doing an hour with Locke coming up next. (laughs) If geekiness is Locke's charm, what's your charm, Gordon? uh, Still looking. (laughs) Still looking for that. No one crafts a better, longer question. True. There you go. See? Well, uh, I know a few who have, but uh, <laughs> look, see, David is so much more than just just the geekiness. True. Uh, it's true. He, he's got deep opinions and thoughts on all kinds of things, so don't sell him short. No doubt about it. And we'll get to those coming up next with David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, straight ahead, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.